let us now turn to the portions of scripture which we read. We shall read again at, uh, in chapter 2 at the beginning. Chapter 2 of, the, of uh, the Acts of the Apostles at the beginning. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it was upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. <coughs> this morning we were speaking of the atonement rendered by Christ. <coughs> And uh, in these chapters we have the first outpourings of the Spirit of God after the resurrection, uh, which uh, Christ sent upon his disciples to consolidate the church and uh, to expand it uh, to other countries as well as uh, to uh, Palestine. <coughs> The Acts of the Apostles were written by the Lucas, or Luke, Lucas in Gaelic, Luke in English, who was a physician himself. And when you read the Gospel according to Luke, you will see that he gives special attention to the healing of those with infirmities and to diseases, and even to the raising of the dead and the way in which Jesus sometimes touched even those who were lepers, and yet was never contaminated by any of these diseases. <coughs> and he begins uh, the Acts by reminding them that he was uh, uh, the writer of Luke. He says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. We don't know whether Theophilus was a special friend of his, or whether it's simply uh, every Christian, because Theophilus simply means a friend of God. He is God, fellows, love, or a friend. <coughs> a friend of God. And uh, certainly uh, we may conclude that he had many friends and some notable friends, being a physician himself and uh, that he might be writing it for a special individual, we don't know. But uh, if so, that individual would die probably when he died himself. For us, the friends of God will exist down to the end of the world. We don't need to think that though in the present day things look very gloomy for the Church of Christ, that Christ is going to let uh, the world overcome uh, his own church. I personally believe that there are more Christians in the world today than there ever was before. And that the Church of Christ has expanded to other countries where not so very long ago they had never heard that he existed. And that people are going out there with the word of God, uh, putting their lives in danger, 
because of the love for the, they have for the word and for the love they have for the Lord and especially for those who know him not. Not that they don't believe in the world and that they don't believe that Christ will take in his own. But the world is uh, very careful of these points. None of his will be lost in the day when he shall make up his steward. But he tells them, he begins this and says that until the day in which he was taken up, he's, uh, he, after that he through the Holy Ghost and given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. That is when he was taken up at his ascension. Uh, he showed himself after his passion, that's after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, <coughs> we don't know how many appearances Christ made. We know those that are recorded. There are ten recordings, I think, in the gospel of Christ's appearance after his resurrection. Uh, some to individuals, some to as many as five hundred. Uh, more than five hundred and uh, uh, five hundred converts in, in three years. Uh, is a lot. Uh, though we can see far more than that coming as we study the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're not saying that all the Christians in Palestine were in Galilee where the 500 met, or over 500, slightly over 500 perhaps. Uh, but uh, we are saying that his ministry was very successful so far as converts were concerned uh, also. <coughs> Uh, but when we think of it, uh, think that uh, thousands were following him. Uh, you remember that uh, the 4,000 and the, uh, the 5,000, which he said, does not include, that number does not include women and children. It is reckoned that the feeding of the 5,000 was the feeding really of 10,000, with the women and children that were following, as well as the maids. 5,000 men, and 4,000 men, that's uh, 10,000 probably, and 8,000 or about that. Because uh, in these big gatherings, uh, the women were not in the minority. Mm. And uh, we see that he had a tremendous following both in Palestine and uh, both in uh, Jerusalem and in uh, Galilee. Though he was a Galilean himself. That was a Galilean by nurture, but not by birth. He was born of course in Bethlehem. Mm. And we see that uh, uh, he appeared uh, ten times to them uh, before he, his last appearance at, the, uh, at his ascension. And so Luke uh, is given us here a picture of what happened when he assembled, when he ascended. Uh, uh, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. <clears throat> that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. He told them that he would send them the Holy Spirit after he was gone. He's not telling them when. And uh, how long they have to wait, they don't know. But even at this time we see how far back the apostles were in understanding what Christ was saying to them. He was just speaking to them as to, as, 
a teacher speaks to children. They have to use words that they can understand, and pictures perhaps when they don't understand words. Well, so here, uh, they ask him then, what, uh, when, therefore, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, say, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Uh, this is what the Jews even of the present day hope. There are far more Jews in the world than is generally realized. Uh, uh, Palestine has only a very small number of Jews even after all the exit from Russia. They have only a very small number of the Jews. There are millions of Jews throughout the world. But they're all hoping that uh, 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 this will take place which the apostles also expected that they would, as a country, rule the world. Many of them rule the, the world through the money that they have gained in the various Gentile countries. And they have a strong influence on the economic situation in the United States, in Russia, everywhere throughout the world. They have a tremendous influence which few people know on the economic situation. And he, uh, he doesn't answer them directly, but he says, it's not for you to know the times uh, that are, uh, are the seasons which the Father has put in his own hands. But he shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and he shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. And of course the testimony of the apostles has gone out to the uttermost part of the earth. Not that the gospel has reached all nations. There are some places that have never heard that Christ came into the world. Uh, but it will eventually not only reach there but the efficacy. For uh, <coughs> the church of Christ is to be made up of all nations not merely of Jews. And it's not our birth or our heritage, but uh, the fact that we are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And then we see that, uh, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of the sight, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up, behold, two men stood by them, uh, in white apparel, the men of Galilee, why stand he gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go up into heaven. So there, this was in the, on Olivet, uh, about uh, a thousand yards from Jerusalem, a small uh, place where he beheld Jerusalem. and. Uh, uh, declared even the end uh, of the world, what would happen at the end of the world as he sat, as the disciples pointed out to him, uh, the, the buildings and uh, Jerusalem itself. And uh, uh, we see that it's from there that he, it wasn't from Galilee where the 500 were, but from Olivet in Jerusalem that the ascension took place. And of course they were looking up. Looking up, wondering if when he went out of the sky, wondering if he would appear again. They didn't know too well what was happening. They didn't realize that this was his last visit uh, to them. 
in that form, the form of this uh, glorious body. Or, uh, uh, as he had four anointings, so he had four stages of ascension, if we may put it that way. Now we see that he's going up here to sit on the right hand of the Father, the session on the right hand of the Father, where he enters into his glory and his human nature being glorified and in his various offices uh, being seen by the church triumphant. And of course will be seen by, as I was saying today, by members of his church which have not yet. And as they looked up, they uh, were interrupted by two angels who spoke to them, dressed in white apparel. I always wonder why the angels were dressed or why uh, they don't believe they're wearing any clothing up in heaven. Neither Jesus was dressed too every time they saw him, they didn't see him. They knew that he was uh, clothed. But uh, the, that was for their accommodation and not for his. Ah, and these two men, they say to him, say to them, why do you gaze up into heaven? He gave them a promise. This same Jesus will come just as he ascended. Just as he ascended. He didn't tell them when, of course. We don't know when. He himself said when he was on earth that no one knew that except the Father. Now when he, when he speaks like that about his own knowledge and the Father, of course he's not referring there uh, to his knowledge at the second person of the Trinity, for the second person of the Trinity knows all things the same divine nature of the Father. But the church hasn't been revealed to his human nature and was not to be revealed to them. We don't know when Christ will come again. Although he gave in uh, the 24th chapter of Matthew, you'll find there many things that have to take place and that will take place at the end. And many of these things are yet to, to take place. But he will come again. And this is something that they would have to remember, that Jesus is coming again, and uh, that all people will be gathered before him when he comes again. And so he, they go on, they return to Jerusalem. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye up? Uh, this same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven, shall we so come in like manner as ye have they have seen him go into heaven. <coughs> we have uh, three appearances of Christ after this, uh, which are perhaps a little bit difficult to understand. We have the vision of Stephen. He beheld Christ as if he were waiting for him, standing, as if he were waiting for him. To arrive in that is for his soul. Of course, Stephen didn't go up in his body but his soul. And the young man who was holding the clothes of those who were stoning Stephen, he had a vision of Christ also. Paul, Saul, as he was then. A vision of the glory of Christ. Have I not seen the Lord? The glory of Christ, which was brighter than the sun at midday. 
that is the sun at midday was darkened as it were by the glory of Christ as he appeared to him and you know the story and the result of that vision which he had of Christ whether the human nature of Christ left the session at the right hand of the Father to reveal himself to Paul I don't know don't know quite the nature of these things because we don't know uh, well we're not able sufficiently to understand what was taking place uh, certainly the, the apostle himself was absolutely certain that he saw the Lord it was the claim for his apostleship that he saw the Lord and uh, Again, we have uh, the vision given to John in the Apocalypse or in Revelation. <coughs> that is what the word Apocalypse means, Revelation. Revelation which he had of the Lord Jesus himself speaking to him, and then of an angel, and then uh, the vision which he had of heaven. That's all the appearances so far as we know that uh, uh, took place of our Lord after his ascension after his ascension and the apostles then uh, when Jesus uh, when uh, the angels said back to them they returned to Jerusalem they were told by the Lord that they should stay there until the power would come from on high that's the Holy Spirit till he would come from on high and they returned there, and the first thing they did, uh, guided by that spirit, there were 120 of them present, not in the temple. At this time, they were not yet in the temple, they were in the upper room. So far as we can see, it's in the upper room that this incident took place. And in the upper room, uh, we see uh, uh, that Peter got up and uh, uh, explained to them that uh, a new disciple, new apostle must be appointed instead of uh, uh, Judas Iscariot and you remember that uh, I didn't read it but that Matthias was, uh, was chosen by the apostles uh, uh, as the twelfth man instead of Judas Iscariot mm. and they continued there for another ten days the ascension took place 40 days <coughs> uh, 40 days after uh, the resurrection uh, and 10 days after that we see uh, the outpouring of the spirit of God 120 people were present there I don't know how many are here tonight a little more perhaps than that uh, but they were in a small room in an upper room they had to Catalum or, or uh, guest houses that would hold a lot, especially at the times of the Passover, uh, when so many people came from all over the world to eat the Passover. And that's what had taken place. Uh, the Passover was, uh, of course, when Christ died at the time of the Passover that he was, uh, that he was killed. And here we have uh, uh, Pentecost, ten days after the ascension and there were so many present so many people present here uh, in this room 120 in a, probably in a small 
a place like a hotel or like a boarding house. And uh, they were there in prayer after the choice of the, uh, uh, the, t- uh, the 12th uh, apostle in the place of Judas Iscariot. They were there united in prayer and all of one mind but they didn't know when the spirit was coming and they don't seem to have guessed because the coming of the Holy Spirit of God appears to have been totally unexpected except that they were all of one mind which is the sign of the presence of the spirit already of course every Christian there had the spirit in in their heart you know that the Holy Spirit is present in the heart of every Christian. Ye are the temple of the Spirit. But that is not what is meant by the coming of the Holy Spirit here, but the effusion of the power of the Spirit that is going to come forth when he will uh, suddenly come in the midst. That is what is meant by the uh, coming of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit in his heart. It is through the Holy Spirit that Christ did all his miracles, did all his work on people, did uh, everything uh, uh, when he was in the flesh. He was the agent. It is the Holy Spirit that dwells in our heart and that enlightens our mind and leads us into the knowledge of Christ as we read the word of God. And that word is so deep that no matter how long you've been studying it, there is plenty there yet which you have never learned. I've been studying it now for 60 years, I suppose, and I'm still learning practically every day something new in the Word of God. I don't mean of the letter. And the Word of God, there is nothing compared with the Word of God uh, because it is the sword of the Spirit other books are very useful and especially of these theologians who have gone into the various subjects but they cannot replace the word of God the word of God uh, accommodates itself to the weakest Christian to the weakest Christian and that because it is the sword of the spirit of God the sword of the spirit of God Although the Spirit came down with power, it was through the preaching of Peter and the apostles, they all started preaching that uh, uh, the conversions took place. But the Spirit was accompanying the preaching. The Spirit of God was accompanying the preaching. So as we look uh, at uh, chapter 2, we see what happened. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost means 50, the 50th day, after the resurrection, they were all with one accord in one place. Now we see the way it took place, the manna, suddenly. All of a sudden, which implies that they didn't really expect it. They were of one mind in one place, and probably crowded in that place. Suddenly, there was this as of a rush of mighty wind. Strange thing, it didn't blow any hats away or blow anything away or take the roof off the house or anything no effect effect like that it was a rush of a mighty wind something like the, what Ezekiel saw in the valley of the tripod and uh, 
Born going to born. The power of the Spirit of God is experienced by, by them in a way in which they never experienced it before. You remember that Jesus uh, blew the Spirit of God on his disciples after his resurrection. But that was not what was happening here. This was a special effusion. This was something that was not going to take place down through the ages. It was for the establishing of the Church of Christ on earth. Although we find something similar to it again in the Corinthians, that was also temporary and has passed away. But this is going to leave its mark. Suddenly, uh, there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Uh, this wind came as if it were from heaven. Surely as it came down from heaven, everyone would look up. There are no time for that. When you think of a giant picture of what was taking place, the Holy Spirit came down and with it, tongues of fire, cloven tongues of fire, and rested on each one of them. Rested on each one of them. That's what we have here. Rushing mighty wind, it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues slashed as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. So that everyone would see the cloven tongue on the other, but, but, but perhaps not see his own. And uh, cloven tongue on the head. But because of the power that was with it, everyone would feel it in his heart. It wasn't merely fire, in the sense of fire. And the Baptist had said that he would baptize, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And here is the accomplishment of it. Cloven tongues. Cloven means simply that they were going out in, in tongues like that, separating, dividing into tongues and resting on each one of them. They would feel what was taking place. They would see it on others. They would be stirred in the inner man because it wasn't merely on their head that the spirit rested, but also in their heart. It's a wonderful thing to be know the presence of the Spirit of God in your heart. Although the Christian has the Spirit of God in his heart, he doesn't feel the Spirit of God in his heart, uh, but on occasion. But there are times when he does. And there is nothing uh, experimentally that I know of that is so pleasant as the presence of the Spirit of God. The presence of the Spirit of God. But it is the work of the Spirit to take of the things of Christ and apply them to our souls. It refreshes us in the inner man. Every grace in the heart becomes immediately active. Faith is going to the object of faith. Christ Jesus, O Lord. The first thing that faith would do is to think of this as coming from the one who ascended. And so is love, for faith worketh by love. So was the whole, everything that they, any doubt that they had would have been gone. When would have gone when they saw, when they felt this power coming into their hearts. The Spirit of God taking the things of Christ and applying them to their hearts. Applying them to their hearts. Of course it's by the Spirit of God that every soul is brought to life. It is not Christ, it is not the preacher, it is not even the Word. 
the spirit can bring to life without the world. There are many people who believe that the spirit cannot bring to life without the world. But that is not true because John the Baptist was brought to life without the world. He was an Nazarite from the womb and so was Samson. And I believe Moses was also on one or two more, but that's by the way. But we are certain of Samson and of John the Baptist being Nazarites from the womb. And when a person is an Nazarite from the womb, then he is regenerated before he is born. And before his, uh, he has any ability to lay hold of uh, uh, the word of God or of anything that could comfort him as to what is happening to him. But generally speaking, the word is the primary means used by the Spirit of God. It is the sword of the Spirit. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And they must have felt they all began speaking with tongues. They don't, we don't see them all speaking, but they all began speaking with tongues. You see here, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and they sat upon each of them. It was a, an unusual experience, and perhaps they would never have it again. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that all began to speak as the Spirit gave them up at times. It had that effect on them. They couldn't keep it in their hearts. It wasn't merely a matter of feeling. They had to break forth in praise probably of the one who sent down this power from on high. That they may give witness to others give a testimony to others of what had taken place. And then we are told what went on in Jerusalem. And uh, uh, the various countries from which the people came to Jerusalem. And of course they didn't come into the upper room, these people. This clearly shows us that they were, uh, as they were filled with the Spirit, that they must have gone outside and given a testimony to those who were around. And we know that many gathered there. For no less than 3,000 souls were converted there at that day. 3,000. You see that later on in the chapter. 3,000 souls were added to the church. We rejoice when we see one. We rejoice more when we see uh, an awakening that brings in many of our youth and many of uh, those who have been uh, perhaps far astray. That is the work of the Spirit. And it's his choice. It is not ours. We cannot convert them. We would if we could, but we cannot. The only one who can do that is the Spirit of God. And these, they were people from all over, from the north of Africa, from Rome, from Greece, from everywhere. Proselytes mostly, but many of them, Gentiles were a Muslim. When we say proselytes, these were Gentiles who were joining in with the Jews in their worship. They were from all, uh, I think 15 places are mentioned there, from which these proselytes came. And they rushed when they heard, they heard, apparently heard this rushing of the mighty wind, and then they saw how these people speak. But when they began to address these people that rushed around them, it appears that only the apostles spoke. But they say, are they not all Galileans? 
They knew them by the twang, if I may put it that way. You know that Peter Twang gave him away in the hall. That he, they knew that he was a Galilean because of his twang. And so here, uh, their form of speech gave them away that they were Galileans. They were not ashamed of that. For that's where Jesus was brought up, though he was born in Bethlehem. He was uh, generally speaking thought of uh, as a Galilean. And uh, there's a difference of speech between various places, even between Shobos and Carnival, and between uh, uh, the other districts and Ness. And we find uh, various places in the islands, you can tell uh, almost immediately when a point man begins to speak if he's a native. And uh, you notice at once some sheepless that gives him away for, from where he, uh, he originates. Well, some of these men are not all these Galileans. They were Galileans. But the power they had did not come from Galilee. But it came from the man of Galilee. It came from the one who was sitting on the right hand of the Father. Oh, how little do we realize and how little they realized the glory of the one who was on the right hand. As he sat down there in our human nature, as all the saints of the Old Testament from Adam downwards through the ages gathered around to see him. For that was their hope. That was the hope of their faith right down through the centuries. And the many that have gone there since have added to that glory. With the angels, as I was telling you today, of a hundred thousand, thousands of thousands, ten times, ten thousand times ten thousand, ten, ten, a hundred million. And uh, over a hundred million and thousands of thousands, that's attitude. Angels there beholding something they were wanting to see and had never seen before. This man glorified with his glorified human nature, with the offices that were given to him as a prophet and a priest and a king. As he pleaded in the intercession, of what was going on because it's on the basis of its atonement that the outpouring of the Spirit took place. This was the result of his intercession on the right hand of the Father. Of course, his kingly office was exercised also where he had to use his power to guard these people and to uphold, of course, the universe as a whole. We see many pictures today on television of galaxies and um, galaxies which uh, they had never even heard of. Galaxies which takes uh, perhaps a million years before its light will reach the Earth. That is no proof that the end of the world won't come before the end of a million years. For we don't know whether God meant the light of that galaxy to reach us here. The galaxy in which we are is a huge one. In it, on its own, but there are many other galaxies. Let not these things interfere with your faith. There's a person reigning you as all these things in his hand. He is the king of the universe. He knows, has not God created them all? He created all things in six days. All things in six days. And pronounced them all very good. 
There are some difficulties perhaps with the six days creation because of the way in which people are dealing with that subject today. But uh, there must have been creation long before the six days. But the question arises there, is it the word of God that becomes the rule of life or usually the atheistic mind of scientists who don't believe in the word of God? The fact that Dr. Jamus was led astray, remember that he had studied astronomy a great deal before he was converted. Dr. Jamus was a long time a minister before he was converted. But that the fact is that Moses, when God revealed to him the Ten Commandments, he added that to the fourth in particular, that God created all things in six days. God created, and that was a long time after the creation. It's not merely what is said in chapter 1, what is said in chapter 20 of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, Exodus, as he gave him the law. And so here we see the power that can come from the one on the right hand. But the great thing is that this one on the right hand, that he is sympathetic even with the weakest Christian. It doesn't merely represent the apostles. It doesn't merely represent the church in its glory where it's strong. But every Christian is united to Christ by faith. Christ dwells in his heart, how? By the Holy Spirit of God. This is the way in which Christ dwells in the heart, by the Holy Spirit of God. And we see then what took place, we see Peter standing up. This was at nine o'clock in the morning, the third hour. All this had taken place early in the morning. And of course when they saw these Galileans and when they some mocked, though they were experienced, they were hearing and seeing things that they never saw in their lives before, because they were Galileans, as anything, any good come out of Galilee. As they told Nicodemus when he protested about Christ uh, being tried before he, he heard, they heard a testimony from himself. Any good come out of Nazareth. Well, here, uh, we see that uh, these people, <coughs> that uh, though they mocked, they couldn't refute the fact that something miraculous had taken place. A rushing mighty wind, they felt its power, they heard its noise, they saw the change in these men. But what about the thousands that are hearing them in their own, in their own language? It's very difficult to understand what is meant here. The apostles preaching, uh, preaching into the power of the Spirit of God, naturally they would preach in the Galilean tongue. Well, that's what they say. Are they not all Galileans? But they were all hearing them in their own languages. Plainly. If there was no one here who had no English, he couldn't understand a word of us. And uh, uh, one would expect the same laws to apply there, but they did not apply. Christ is not under any law, so far as these things are concerned, they, he has the power. Now we see the speaking of tongues later on among the Corinthians, but this is not 
the same as that which was experienced by the Corinthians. The speaking of tongues to the Corinthians, no one could understand what the person was uttering unless there was an interpreter. This did not need an interpreter. Everyone understood what Peter was saying and the sermon that he had made that's given to us in chapter 2. Hear you, as he was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and about his ascension and about his promise of sending the Holy Spirit and that they were experiences and he calls them to repentance. Surely if he was calling them to repentance, it is our duty also to call them to repentance. But he also stresses this, this fact that this was part of the determinate counsel of God, a counsel which the Lord Jesus had entered before the foundation of the world. These things were foreordained and happened at the right time at the time when the wisdom of God saw it fit to reveal his power through his apostles and as they were able to convert so many in the first few days 3,000 here, 5,000 later we see the power that they had and that they exercised they weren't afraid of any men, of any opposition they were ready to go to prison ready even to die for uh, the message of the gospel no wonder they felt the power of Christ in their hearts and the Spirit of God was enlightening their minds. They were beginning to see something that they never saw before. Would thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? There will be no such restoration in that sense. We know that there will be a return of the Jews sometime before the end and that there may be a falling away after that as well. But that is not what is meant here. The power of the Spirit of God is now going forth as he said himself before he ascended. All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go forth, teach ye all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That's what the word means in teaching there. Make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God. And the great promise, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can you not see the strength of the Christian? Can you not see the safety of the Christian? Lo, I am with you always. How is he with us? Through the Holy Spirit that is in the heart of every Christian. It is the Holy Spirit that guides and directs us, that strengthens us. This is the power that can bring to life. This is the power, it is the Spirit alone that can take other things of Christ and apply it to us. Oh, wouldn't it be great to be among these people that day, to feel the power of the Spirit of God, to see the repentance of these people as they realized that they had crucified the Lord of glory. As they manifested their tears of repentance, but above all, their love for the Lord Jesus, as they received a new heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. May God bless these words to us. Let us pray. O Lord, we thank thee that thou art still the same, and that thou 
Uh, the power that thou hast cannot be increased. That thou hast infinite power. That thou hast infinite attributes. And the infinity of these things we cannot understand. But blessed be thy name that thou art able to pour down thy spirit from on high. To quicken and encourage thy people as they journey through the wilderness. Some experimentally the difficulties of going through the wilderness. And so to thy people. Thou wast made in all points like unto us. Bless us, O Lord, that we may meditate more and more on the things which thou hast revealed to us in thy word, and apply to our hearts and lives, and so live unto thee until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. Pardon sin for our demons' sake.